Okay, clergy confession number 714. That's not a real number, by the way. It just sounded good coming off the cuff. But I am absolutely fascinated by trees. Anyone else out there love trees? You don't have to raise your hand. I know we're... Okay. I love trees. I mean, they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, various shades of greens and browns. Some have leaves, others have needles. I really could spend lots of hours just looking at trees. Nobody's with me, are you? It's just... Am I just talking to myself this morning? About, okay. So the other day I was on social media and I came across this. Okay, let me try again. This fascinating picture. Have you all seen this? Can you see the guy down in the corner? This tree is believed to be 4,000 years older than Jesus. I mean, look at this fellow. That's fascinating. So, uh, well, here's the Jessica Tetrick version of this, I, I did get her permission to use this picture. This is when we were in Malawi in, in 2017. This is a baobab tree, and you can just see how massive the trunk is. But I think trees are absolutely fascinating. They provide shade on a hot summer's day. They give a sense of calm, of peace, of tranquility. I have this river willow in my backyard, and okay, this is not going to sound like it should sound, just given I've said I love trees, but I cut down a lot of trees to get to get a nice view of this willow tree because I love to look at it. It just, it just sways in the breeze. It's a beautiful tree. I, I love to sit in the backyard and stare at this willow tree. There's something majestic and mysterious about trees. I mean, really, how, how is it that they turn carbon monoxide into oxygen? I'll let y'all do the scientific lectures on that later. We literally can't breathe without trees. It's said that one large tree can give a day's worth of oxygen to four people. Fascinating things about trees. Among all the benefits of trees amid the beauty and splendor of trees, every tree shares two fundamental qualities. Every tree shares two fundamental qualities. Every tree is rooted and every tree is reaching. Every tree is, tree is rooted and every tree is reaching. Every tree you see is rooted deeply into the ground. It has this sprawling and intricate system of roots that penetrates the earth. It digs deeper and it reaches farther to find the nourishment that it needs. And when that tree is properly nourished, as that tree is properly fed, it begins to do the most magnificent of things. It reaches high up into the sky and it reaches out. Its branches making this canopy that covers far and wide. So this morning we hear Jesus, he makes this powerful and, and provocative statement. From our reading in Acts chapter 1, verses 8, Jesus says this, he says, you will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. What's he saying? They're going to be reaching there's a, there's a reaching quality that he impresses upon them when he says these words. He says that their branches of influence, so to speak, are literally going to spread all over the world. Not just in and around Fort Worth, Texas, but starting here. Not just down to Waco and College Station, but going there. But to places like northern Mexico, northern Malawi, other places in Africa, New Zealand. We have a missionary 
if you caught it, that we pray for every Sunday who's in New Zealand. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And if you stop and think about this for just a minute, if you really consider the circumstances and you contemplate the obstacles, it's not just a mind-boggling proposition. It's almost crazy to think about. How is it that 12 men, how is it that 120 men and women How is it that they who have relatively no standing or status in society, who have relatively no real or formal education in the ways of the world, and who, by the way, have been fearing for their lives for the last 40 days against the mighty Roman Empire, who's really not interested in having another empire overthrow it, how are they going to do this? How could they possibly spread the branches of faith around the world, rising up out of the ground with this imposing presence on the landscape, if you will, and reaching out like a powerful and sprawling tree? The answer, my friends, is that they became deeply rooted. They became deeply rooted in the divine life of Jesus Christ, pushing and pressing farther and farther deeper into that spiritual soil until they had this unshakable foundation from which to grow up and to grow out. What is that firm foundation of our apostolic faith? You've been hearing us say this. I can't say it emphatically enough. It is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His demonstrative, his definitive, and his delightful victory over sin and death. We read it last week in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15, verse 20. Do you remember? He says, in fact. Think about that. Paul writes these words. He says, in fact, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He states this uh, as a fact of human history. He doesn't say he might be raised from the dead. He could be raised from the dead. You can imagine that in your hearts and mind and, and take some satisfaction of some plausible idea. He says, in fact, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Friends, the Christian faith has been built upon a set of historical facts. Carefully studied, carefully examined, and thoroughly criticized. And why? Because as Paul also said in that same little passage in 1 Corinthians, he says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then what are we doing? We're actually misrepresenting God. If Christ is not raised, if he's not in fact raised from the dead, then we're actually misrepresenting God. And God forbid that anybody would do that. And if we listen again to our reading from the book of Acts, Acts written by Luke, Luke who was not one of the twelve apostles, Luke who wrote his testimony built upon what the apostles told him, Luke writes these words. He says, Jesus presented himself as alive. After his suffering. And then he says, by many proofs. He presented himself alive after his suffering and death by many proofs. He appeared to them for a period of 40 days and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. What's he doing? He is rooting their faith in the reality of the resurrection, proving to them what? That they're not crazy, that they hadn't lost their minds that they hadn't seen a ghost or a spirit. This is what we read about in the gospel lesson this morning. He's showing to them that they had, in fact, seen Jesus. You remember the narrative. 
Thomas, can we pause for just a minute and imagine ourselves? Thomas, put, put your hand here. Put it, put it there. Into the wound where that soldier stuck the spear. Put, put your hand there. Thomas. Thomas, reach out your hand and, and touch the marks where the nails were, where the Roman soldiers pierced my hands and nailed me to the tree. Thomas, do those things. Let that soak in for just a minute. In those days after the resurrection where the Bible tells us they were hiding because they were afraid. He appears to them and says, touch my side and touch my hands. By his crucifixion, Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins. And by his resurrection, Jesus Christ offers us the hope of everlasting life. Okay, take this for what it's worth. It's no wonder that charismatic churches are so attractive, right? When someone tells you that you have eternal life, and when you get that message really deep down in your bones, sometimes, somehow, stand, sit, and kneel just aren't quite enough. <laughs> right? If someone tells you good news, do you sit down? <laughs> I'm not knocking our liturgy. Please hear this in the context. If somebody tells me that I can overcome death in the grave, I want to shout. I want to run around. No wonder they're so appealing. Spend one Sunday in a church in Africa and you'll see what I mean. Right, Ruth? And by the way, that's an invitation to a mission trip. Right, Glenn Petta? <laughs> okay. Last Sunday night at our comprehensive Christianity class, we watched a brief video clip from the Stephen Colbert show. And he's a late night uh, host and he's a, he's a committed Christian. He was interviewing a well-known comedian and writer named Ricky Gervais. Perhaps you've heard of him. He's the creator of the popular sitcom called The Office. And if you don't know this about Gervais, he's a professed atheist. That means he does not believe that God exists. But there is a sense in which Gervais understands something deep down in his soul. In the interview with Colbert, Gervais said this. He said, get this, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. This is what he said. He said, I love living. He said, it's, you know, he's kind of running out of words here. He says, it's brilliant. Living is brilliant. And he's right. And then he said this, living is the best thing ever. Living is the best thing ever. He's on to something, isn't he? From the mouth of an atheist who then also said this, his worst fear is dying. Because in his religious construct, this is what he believes. Without God, this is what he said. I, 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 I didn't exist, and, and now I do exist, and, and when I die, I'm not going to exist anymore. And this is his good news because of his atheistic belief. I, I, I won't know. I won't know it. I'll be dead. I'll be dead. And, and, and we laugh because it's sad. And I wonder, if, I wonder if God's not calling to our mind right now someone we know who's in that situation. Just, just to make it a little bit personal. 
Someone who feels that way in his or her life. Someone who feels the weight of unforgiveness and and the potential fatalism of his or her own fatality. So that when we realize how much God loves us and that God forgives us and that God offers us eternal life and by the way, he has a plan and purpose for us in this life, yes, we should want to run around the room But shouldn't we also want to reach out there into the world and tell people like Gervais or those people whom God may be calling to our mind right now the good news and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he is in fact risen from the dead. I watched a good video about the apostles this week also on YouTube. It reminded me just how far they reached out with the gospel. And now having been to Israel, and that's an invitation to join me in Israel in 2020, by the way, it struck me in this whole new way. Check this out. There's Jerusalem where the cross is. And we know that the apostles went at least to Alexandria, a distance of about 300 miles before planes, trains, and automobiles. They, we know they went to Rome, a distance of about 1,400 miles. And we know they went to India a distance of about 2,800 miles. And we know that they suffered persecution and pain. We know they suffered their own peril. They were martyred. All the while they were preaching the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead as a fact. And I think all we have to do in light of this, just look at this and ask ourselves one question. Do we really believe that they would do all of that Do we really believe that they would suffer all of that? Would they travel 2,800 miles for a lie? It's, to quote another movie, inconceivable to me. It's just simply inconceivable that they would do that for a lie. So what's our vision here at Christ the Redeemer? Our vision is to be a reaching people. I love what Father Mark said last Sunday. He said this, He said, we talk about ministry as the way we love people in here who are already part of our Christian family. We minister to one another. And then we see mission as the way we love people out there who are not yet a part of our family. What a beautiful description of the love of Jesus Christ. They will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. To be a reaching people, we have to be, therefore, a rooted people. What is being rooted at Christ the Redeemer look like? It looks exactly like what we've been preaching the last six weeks. Coming into our family on Sunday worship, growing up with us in life groups, and going out with us in mission and ministry to share this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today, today we renew our annual celebration called World Mission Sunday celebrating that we share in the spreading of the gospel with Christians all over the world. And and think about it this way, that when we do that, and as we do that, share in the gospel with Christians all over the world, it's like this canopy of faith that just covers the world. If you can imagine this great big forest of faith canopies and covers the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me say one more thing about trees. Trees all begin as a seed, don't they? A tiny little seed. And none of these things happen unless what? 
you plant the seed in the ground. Said the other way, all of these things happen when we plant the seed of faith into the ground. So the question is this, where is God calling you to plant a seed of faith for the gospel? Where is he calling you? Where is he calling you? Maybe it actually is over there in Africa. Maybe it is down there in College Station, but maybe it's right here in Fort Worth. Reaching out with the gospel, let me reframe something for us. Did you know you're a missionary right here where you are? You are. Christ the Redeemer is a missionary station right here in Fort Worth. And as soon as you walk out the doors, we're bearing witness to the gospel with people that we work with, with people that we socialize with, with people that we play games and sports with, and sometimes even in our own families. Listen, become rooted And the reaching happens quite naturally. A tree doesn't have to tell itself to to try to become a tree. All it needs is someone who's willing to put the seed in the ground. And the the roots start to grow. and, and, And the branches start to reach. How? Because, get the image, the sun. The sun shines down on them. When we allow the Son of God to shine down on our lives, the rooting and the reaching takes care of itself. So now as a sign and a symbol of all of these things, we this morning are commissioning a new leader of our mission committee. In transition, Sandy Tisdale is going to be cooperating with Ann Allen. I'm going to ask these two ladies to come forward as a sign and symbol of this powerful leadership transition that's taking place. Anne has carried our mission committee for 10 years. Can we acknowledge that? It is true. Unofficially, officially, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name it and claim it right here, Ann Allen. You can't stop me. <laughs> They're all here. Everybody's going to come forward and pray. Marty's been a part of this too. Come on, Marty. But Sandy, Sandy Tisdale, I want to emphasize this, is a new member at Christ the Redeemer. She's already becoming rooted in our body so that she can begin to reach out into our community for the gospel. So, yeah, come on, Marty, and forgive me for the oversight because you've been an integral part of this as well. We're going to commission Sandy, and I'm going to invite you all to come forward and pray with me at the appropriate time as we do this. Uh, Sandy Do you accept the call and responsibility of this mission? If so, say, I do. Do you promise to conform your life to the teaching of Holy Scripture and abide under the authority of this congregation? If so, say, I do. To the congregation, will you pledge to support and uphold this ministry? If so, say, we will. We will. Those who'd like to come forward and lay hands on this body, please do so at this time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you go before us and behind us. You are our light and our shield. Guide our path, be our clear sight. Lift us up in your gospel joy and bless this missionary sent forth from this place in your name and honor for the advance of the gospel, the salvation of the world, and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. I invite your further prayers.
ministry that you have placed on our hearts to have missions. We thank you for those who have gone on missions, who are going on missions. We thank you for those who will be witnessing uh, near, far, and into the ends of the world. And we, and we thank you that we are blessed to have such a powerful, powerful mission to reach in this church. Thank you, Lord, for them in standing to us. Thank you for all the things that you can lead us to do. We ask that you would anoint the hands of the Lord and give us the people to help in this area. And we praise you, Jesus, for what you have done and what you're doing in your great name. Let us pray. O oh God, we praise you for the redemption of the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. We thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit upon us, making some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip your people for the building up of the body of Christ. Bless this work that we undertake, that your name may be glorified now and forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone.